So good evening, everyone. My name is Adam. I'm James's son. <laughs> and um, I'm also a student of a teacher named Reggie Ray, who is the founder of the Dharma Ocean lineage in Colorado and was a student of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Um, so tonight, the talk title, um, I titled it Awakening in the Body, Fundament- Fundamentals of Somatic Meditation. Uh, but I think I like the title, uh, it's a little more provocative, uh, Embodiment is Enlightenment. So I want to talk tonight a bit about the view of embodied meditation practice and a little bit about the technique and a bit about the unfolding stages of practice, how uh, one stage kind of moves into another stage. Um, My teacher talks about five stages and I don't claim to have mastered them all. Um, but it can be inspiring to hear about what's possible for us. So I'll start out with two quotes. Traditionally, there's the refuge, the three refuges, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, but in this quote, as we'll hear, the refuge is the body. The body is the Buddha, Awareness all-pervading, all-pervading. The body is the dharma, the path to liberation. The body is the sangha. All worlds of experience are found here. The body is the teacher, trusted guide on the journey. I take refuge in the body. I take refuge in the body. And then here's a second quote. And this is from the book, Touching Enlightenment. And a lot of the ideas that I'm speaking of can be found in this book. It's by my teacher, Reggie. So the first paragraph, he says, to be awake, to be enlightened, is to be fully and completely embodied. To be fully embodied means to be at one with who we are in every respect, including our physical being, our emotions, and the totality of our karmic situation. It is to be entirely present to who we are and to the journey of our own becoming. It is to inhabit completely our relative reality with no speck of ourselves left over no external observer waiting for something else or something better. I really like the last to, uh, that last sentence. No external observer waiting for something else or something better. So there's an, um, an implicit sense of really being down and grounded in this, all of this. And I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the general framework of, well, what is somatic meditation? How is it maybe different from other traditions, mindfulness meditation? Um, and I have a great respect for mindfulness meditation. I love it. It's been a, a very helpful tool for me on the journey. But um, somatic meditation, um, how is it different from Vipassana? It's really somatic meditation. Somatic really means pertaining to the body, pertaining to the primary experience before our conceptual mind comes in and we're labeling this or that. Um, So to use neuroscience language, a lot of our processing about our experience happens in our left brain. And it's where our self-concept 
our concepts, our, our labeling, our experience. And somatic meditation is about techniques that get below the, the left brain um, into the, the non-conceptual awareness or the non-conceptual direct experience of what's happening now. So in this work, um, my teacher, Reggie, he just, he calls the body below the thinking mind, he refers to it as the soma. And we're talking about the right brain, and we're talking about the heart, we're talking about the gut, we're talking about the spinal cord. And I'll, I'm, I'm really excited at the end to just, um, if there are questions that come up, save, save them for the end, and we'll have a dialogue and see what comes up. So why is somatic meditation helpful? In this work, we are really going down into the body, into our body, and there's a sense that in the tradition, the tradition, this is just to give a little context, this is um, drawing from the Tibetan tradition or the Vajrayana tradition. And what my teacher Reggie has done is he's really taken a tradition that's um, very refined with many religious aspects and kind of hard to access aspects and um, he's a great scholar and so he um, has been able to just kind of take the essence practices that help us unlock the body and kind of left the um, more hard to access religious parts so when I, when I talk about this tradition I'm really talking about um, the yogic tradition or the tantric tradition of meditation, um, which came out of India and then came to Tibet. And it's a tradition that um, the archetype of the person practicing is a... Some of them were cave yogis, but a lot of them were just lay people, uh, common people. And there's this sense of inclusion to whatever our life is, whatever our unique thing is. We're a, a doctor or a lawyer, we're married. And there's this sense that the body, our body, and our unique life situation is the perfect situation to wake up to reality. So I, you know, when I found these teachings and I found this kind of point of view, it was very heartening for me to think that, well, I don't have to go away to a monastery to be enlightened. I don't have to go do something else other than my life. And there's the view in this tradition that um, some traditions, um, there's per perhaps a view that the body is, uh, could be impure in some way or that we have to kind of uproot um, you know, our lust or our anger. We have to kind of get to the, get to the problem and kind of uproot it. And in this tradition, the the tradition talks a lot about actually integrating all of the aspects of our self that are tricky. And the tradition says that our body holds the totality of the universe. Somehow that our, the body is the universe and is connected to life but we haven't been trained to access that connection. And so 
because we don't have the tools, uh, we don't have the instructions, we're not able to kind of tap into the bigger situation. So in this tradition, um, the body is really seen as the unconscious mind. It's... um, there's a sense that all of our experience that we've had in our life, um, only a fraction of it really comes up into our conscious awareness, what we're aware of, and then the rest of it, it's recorded in our nervous system, but it's not really been fully digested, fully processed. So in some sense, somatic meditation is a way of going into our nervous system and unearthing the experience that we haven't fully experienced. Or as Jung talks about, um, really making the darkness conscious, bringing the darkness into the consciousness of our awareness, into the light of our awareness. Um, I like this metaphor. There's a metaphor in the tradition of um, a sesame seed. And they say that, uh, the tradition says, okay, we all have Buddha nature, we all have an enlightened essence, but it's kind of like a sesame seed. The, you know, with a sesame seed, there's the husk, and that's all of our, our stuff, our baggage, our pain, our emotions, our beliefs. And then there's the oil in the sesame seed. And we, when we do, when we practice meditation um, in this embodied tradition, we're learning how to, to take off the husk, or we're, we're learning how to process through um, those painful parts, our pain, our traumas, our situations. And we're learning how to get underneath that to the wisdom and the sanity and the, the joy, the love, all of the good qualities of human being. So, this, this process um, has a kind of elegant unfolding, I think. And in this tradition, the way that we start, the way you start practicing somatic meditation is you begin actually by lying down. And we do that because sometimes when we come to meditation, we can feel like, uh, I've got to be still. I've got to hold the perfect posture. And so we can end up getting really rigid, really tight. And with this practice, actually, the first step is to get out of our head. We have to find a way to get out of our head And the way to get out of our head is to learn how to be in our body and relax in our body. It's difficult to relax in your body if you're not relaxed. So the first part is really, um, there's a word in Sanskrit, yana, it means vehicle. So the ground of the journey When we come into the practice, generally, we you know we live in a culture where it's, um, you know, cell phones, email, to-do lists, all of it. And so, when we come to meditation, we bring all of that to our practice. And we're pretty much, although we have a lot of awareness of how I look or how. Um, you know, we have, definitely have concern for our body. There can be kind of a relationship where the mind is riding the body. 
So there's a sense, perhaps, of a, a top-down approach. And sometimes I know that in, when I started meditating uh, to loop around um, the difference, you know, in the in the Vipassana tradition, um, the basic teaching is the four foundations of mindfulness. It's a it's actually a very embodied teaching. You know, the Buddha had the monks go to the root of trees in the jungle to be um, to experience the different flavors of experience, thoughts, emotions, changing experience. It's very embodied. Um, but in the West, oftentimes we come to the practice from such a speedy, heady place that the same teaching, although originally a very embodied tradition or teaching, um, we can start, you know, I know that I was kind of looking at my experience, kind of perched up here. So there's kind of like, oh, I feel my knee pain, but it's it's like I'm thinking about my knee pain. In this style, this is a, a, a bottom-up approach. So in the beginning, we lie down and... Um, we're learning how to give our attention to the earth. We need some kind of release valve, and the earth is the answer in this tradition, actually. We can, um, we find that the earth is actually very, very receptive. So that's the, that's the ground, and the, really the ground is we're learning how to be relaxed. We're learning how to be spacious with ourselves. We're learning how to, um, the more that we get relaxed, the more there's kind of space in our heart, there's space in our self to appreciate. It's, it's very much the first phase of the journey is about appreciation of ourself, appreciation of of just having a body. And we're unthawing in some sense. We're unthawing from being mostly in our head to experiencing all of this sensation that's going on. So um, I wish I had time to kind of go over all of the myriad practices that you do in the lying down posture, Um, but I don't. But needless to say, there's a lot of practices around uh, opening the ribs, opening uh, the breath. There's a sense that breath um, brings life force. And we can breathe through our toes. And the tradition says that your toes have a specific message for you that is unique, that is not in your ear. And that your heart has a specific message. Your gut has a specific message. The whole body has its own unique wisdom, its own way of knowing things. And if we could just breathe into our toenail fully, we would be a different person. So I know it sounds strange, but... um, it has become my experience that, indeed, every part of the body has its own way, its own flavor, its own style of knowing. I have this picture. It's a picture most of you will not be able to see, but it's an Alex Gray painting. And there's this etheric energy body, these illuminated chakras and really this is the whole teaching right here <laughs> the, the teaching is that we our body actually looks like this our body is is not what we think it is but we need to be able to access it so in the first phase of the journey we're we're opening down. In a lot of traditions, the path is up towards the heavens. And in this tradition, it's, um, 
it's a sense that actually the darkness, the darkness of our body, the darkness of the earth holds secrets and mysteries about our life. And there's a sense that the more that we go down, the more we go out, and the more our, our presence can um, be sensitized. In the beginning, there's a sense of just going with the flow, but then at some point, organically, we have to learn how to sit. And that's really the second stage of the journey, is learning how to sit, sit up and sit still. So I want to talk about the sacred anatomy of the, the body. What does it mean to sit in an embodied way? There's this uh, posture my teacher teaches. It's called the posture of pure awareness. And it comes from the Zen practice called Shikantaza. And the basic idea is that we can use our mindfulness, we can use our attention, and what we do is we feel our spine along the spine, right in front of your spine is what's called the central channel. And most of the time, we're kind of in a posture where the, the central channel is basically an energy hose. And so when we're slumped over, it's kind of like there's a kink in the hose. But we sit up, and there's a sense also that the chin tucks and the crown is lifting. And over time, the central channel, it's like it's the lightning rod of experience. So in the first, in the first part, we're going down into the earth. And the second part, we're actually able to breathe up the spine. I wonder if you want to try it for a moment. Do you guys want to try this? I think it's, it's way more interesting. I could talk about it all night, but I actually would rather um, have an experiential part. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some breaths. Find, tuck your chin, and sit um, bring your awareness to you, the back third of your body. And I'm going to invite you to breathe. We're going to take some breaths. You can put your hands on your low belly. And I'm going to invite you to take three, well, let's do five breaths where you fill your low belly Imagine that you can breathe up from the earth. And then empty out all the air. Squeeze out all the air. Feeling your spine. you to feel right along the spine, right in front of the spine. See if you can find a sense of openness as you breathe. There's a sense of presence along the spine. And you can breathe right into the lower belly, right in the center of the belly, 
So you can feel free to keep feeling your spine as I talk or let your eyes open. The, the idea with somatic meditation is there's these places in the body, they're called the gateways, the Mahamudra gateways, where when we breathe into the belly, for example, there's an opening, there's an open space really deep in the belly. And when we really place our attention there, it's hard to tell if we're inside the body or outside the body. It's like there's this very open space and we can get lost in that space. Just see what it's like for a moment, just to feel the openness in your belly. And the space in the belly, the space, actually, there's a kind of energetic quality. As you breathe, you can feel perhaps a tingling quality or a bright quality, some sense of aliveness. And just see what it's like to let that aliveness come up from the belly along the spine. You could even start breathing from 10 feet in the earth. or a hundred feet in the earth. You could let your pelvis just relax and receive the energy of the earth. And there's a sense of relaxing into the back body Not so much in the front body, just kind of leaning back into beingness. We'll just do this for another 30 seconds, so just see what it's like. can just notice when you're really in your experience in the belly, if there's thinking, is the thinking present? Or is thinking an afterthought? That's very good. So you can let your eyes open or stay with the practice. So I think it might be interesting to share that the sense, I'm just curious, just a show of hands, was anyone able to connect with that experience a little bit? Yeah. The idea in somatic meditation is that our body has the primary experience and then thinking happens afterwards. So you can't be in your soma, you can't be in your direct experience and thinking at the same time. And that's really helpful because when we get carried away, 
we can come back. We have somewhere to come back to. We have somewhere to land. The notion here is that um, we take this posture. When we take the posture in the second level, what we're doing is we're creating a situation in which outwardly we're still, but inwardly there's a lot of space. When we are able to connect into the central channel, we start to feel that actually our body is much bigger than just the skin boundary. There's a sense then that our experience, all of the thinking, all of the pleasant, all of the unpleasant, it can be totally simplified just by the direct experience of embodiment. Just by being present and naked to the sensation of being in your body, you just, you're kind of short-circuiting the whole thinking process, the proliferation of thoughts. So that's really helpful, potentially. The third phase of the somatic practices. In, in the second phase, we're really learning how to be with ourself. We're learning how to sit still. We're learning that we can actually be with our experience. And there's kind of this sense of befriending whatever our personal shadow is. And the more we, I would do this practice on retreat where we would just, he would give us seven points of posture and then ring the bell and the teaching is just don't move. You know, and we'll do that for eight hours a day. And it's really intense. <laughs> it's really intense. But there's this thing that happens when we take that posture. And it's, I have to say, it's anything but boring. It could be intensely claustrophobic, or it could be intensely whatever, but there is this kind of confidence that comes from being able to sit still. Because we're making space for our experience. And so in the third phase, we, start to, we can start to feel like, oh, I've got this down, I got it together. In the third phase, there's a sense that, well, we've kind of focused on our experience. In the third phase, we're really opening up to everyone. So the third phase, the Mahayana, is where we're starting to relate with all of the people in the room and all of the projections we have about people. And there's a sense in somatic meditation that whatever our thing is about somebody, it's just another part of ourself. So we do practices. The third phase is we're opening the heart. There's this elegant um, kind of unfolding. In the beginning, we're working with our, our skin-bound boundary, or our skin-bound body, and just feeling the feeling that's here. And then we're developing the capacity to relax in the earth, and that's the second part. And as we feel connected to the earth and we're starting to sit up, the energy of the earth starts to come through our body, and we can breathe the life force up from the earth. And the life force then can come through the heart. Kind of like this picture. The field of the heart opens through this energetic connection to the earth. And then we're really in relationship. And it's the relationship that's not happening in our mind 
We're not thinking about the other person. We're really relating energetically. So there's this really unique practice we do where we partner up. It could be with your your partner if you have a partner. And you just come into your body. You come into breathing through your heart, breathing in your belly, breathing through your your whole body. And then you're learning how to, to look at the partner, the person in front of you, and you're just seeing, but you're seeing from the eyes of your body. Not so much thinking about the person, just feeling what's here. And it's powerful. It's really powerful. There's this sense in the somatic tradition that the front side of our body, this is our ego body. And when we, most of the time, we're kind of drawn towards something. So the ego body is kind of this forward, upward thing. And then the kind of the space of reality, the big space, that's our back body. And then there's this place where the two meet, and that's the middle body. And the idea with being in the world is that we're learning more and more how to open to our back line, open to the space, and then be present to the front line, but really feel and relate through the energy in our middle, middle body. I don't know, this might be really dense or this might be really uninteresting, um, but this is the kind of stuff I geek out on. So, <sighs> Let's see. Yeah. So I'll just talk a little bit about the fourth stage. Um, the fourth stage the fourth stage is the tantric stage it's learning how to open and awaken the tremendous energy that is dormant in our body so there's this word probably some of you are familiar with kundalini it's the life force it's a yoga word And there's a sense that um, the kundalini is a serpent snake and it rises up the spine. And we can do these breath practices that open the kundalini, that awaken the life force. And the idea is in the third stage, it's the bodhisattva stage. We're learning how to open our heart to the world. We're learning how to, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to make friends with the people around us. Um, and there's the, the six perfections or the ten perfections, being patient, generous, all of these things. And we're aspiring to be that way in the world. But, and it's, very ni- it's kind of a nice aspiration, but it's, it's a little bit far-fetched. And then in the fourth stage, the tantric stage, is where it's, it's, the, it's the X-Men stage. It's where we are awakening the energy of our body in, in a very powerful way, and we're learning how to tap into what our body really is. And we're learning uh, in the fourth stage there's a sense that all of the emotions that we go through, positive emotions, negative emotions, they're all, they're all the same basic life force. So there's, in this somatic tradition, there's a sense of alchemy or transformation that 
um, one of my teachers, Sokni Rinpoche, he says, the stronger the emotion, the better. That emotion is the gasoline for awareness. So we don't have to selectively numb um, to that emotion. We just have to know how to cut the thinking and relate directly with the energy underneath. So there's, um, like, if you've seen the Tibetan flag, there's five colors. There's five poisons, you know, um, lust, um, being spaced out, greed, anger. The five poisons then become, can transform into the five wisdoms. And the way we do that is this alchemy process. We're learning how to get into the basic energy of the emotion and embody it and open to what's happening. So this, this, uh, this stage, you know, I'm just kind of starting to get into these practice a little bit, so I'm excited about this, um, this kind of work. There's a sense, um, there's a sense of sacredness. Basically, the idea, the perspective is that whatever happens to us in our life, it's a manifestation of the universe teaching us. And when we get out of our head and we get out of our hope for some thing and our fear about another thing and we're just right on the spot and we're right in our body and we're terrified and we're excited all at once that that's where the learning is going to happen so this sense of openness this sense of opening to life Chunk Rinpoche has a, a phrase, every mind state is workable. Every situation is an expression of enlightenment. <coughs> we're learning how to trust, as Reggie says, we're learning how to trust our experience. Learning how to shift from what we think to what we know about this moment. And it's somewhat terrifying because we're used to being logical. Many of us are used to being logical about how we live our life. And this Somatic awareness doesn't have any allegiance to what we think. The energy, you know, sometimes there's, maybe there's just someone in the room that you have to talk to and you don't have any pretense of why you have to talk to them, but you, you have to. But we're learning how to trust, to be so grounded in our experience that we just, we just go for it. Now the fifth stage, I don't really, you know, it's a little bit mysterious. And I wouldn't say that I have much grounding in it, but the fifth stage is called the Great Perfection. Um, The term in Tibetan is Dzogchen. And the, the fifth stage is basically saying that Right now, this is, this is the perfect situation. This is, it's always been the perfect situation. It always will be. And that we are already enlightened, basically. We don't have to do anything to become enlightened. We're actually, we just recognize the, the awareness that's already here, the embodiment that's here. There's a very short teaching, three, three words that strike the vital point. 
The first point is just to recognize the fresh, open awareness, the nowness. The second point is gain confidence that nowness, being in nowness, embodying the experience of nowness, is the medicine. It's the supreme medicine for whatever thing we're thinking about, just to be here. And then the third point is just stabilize that. I wonder, I I feel a little bit talked out, and I wonder if we want to just open it up for discussion, dialogue, complaints, opinions. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And you can say your name if you like. I'm I'm Jen. Hi. Um... So you were talking about five stages, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious, uh, so once a person reaches the fifth stage, is there nowhere else to go? Is that the end? Mm, No. What happens happens after that? No. Actually, they say that uh, Buddhahood is just the beginning. Um, they call the fifth stage the return uh, to actually speak just to share actually what my teacher says he says that basically at that point like the teacher might disappear like he's had students or she's had students for a long time and she'll just leave go into the forest like there's a teacher Mingyur Rinpoche and he just left and he decided to go on a wandering three year retreat with nothing And there's just this sense of like you've internalized so much of the teaching that you just give up trying to do your thing. (laughs) And you're, you're kind of like, as Reggie says, you're just becoming nothing. You're becoming nothing and becoming nothing. You're, you're open, you're everything. Um, How does that connect with the Bodhisattva? Thing where you're, you know, in the world. Yeah, in the world. Mm, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a sense. I think there's a sense of inspiration. There's a sense of inspiring, inspiring people through your example in some way. I'm not really sure. Yes, because it's recorded. Oh, gotcha. Um, you mentioned something about. Um, Cognition and the body. Um, basically, when you're thinking that you can't necessarily be in your body, inherently according to the the teaching. So I'm curious, like with 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 work um, in the world that is more cognitive, um, according to the teaching, or you know, is there a way to uh, you know be in your body, mm-hmm. or are they inherently? Well, what this is saying is that um, concept is a separate event. There's, there's a primary experience, and then there's a concept that follows. And they might be right after each other. Um, being in the back line, learning how to open to the breath along the spine brings a much fuller, you know, it's like kind of like we're doing this thing all day. Yeah. And it's 
it's different than if you are typing in your, I was with someone today and we're, um, we're playing around with kind of being in this front body, like, or um, kind of opening. There's kind of, I think, a, an energetic quality that's different where we can, you know, be in our body as we're doing something. And that seems like a, a training in some sense. It takes some effort to kind of shift that pattern. Hi, I'm Tiffany. Hi. Thank you for your uh, what, what you offered. Um, when you said that uh, bodhisattva stage is far fetched, and then subsequent remarks made me feel like uh, the approach you're giving is an abandonment of the Mahayana path, hmm. our enlightenment to serve others. Um, I'm wondering if you can explain more. Um, no, I didn't mean it that way, actually. I meant that um, we can take the bodhisattva vow, and it's a vow to, you know, to liberate all beings. And um, it just, like, it sounds great, but it's kind of like, well, how, how are we going to do that? And the, the somatic tradition basically says to come... I like the way that the that this is put. The idea is that um, in in Buddhism, sometimes there's a sense of the six realms of samsara, different realms of samsara. The idea is that our body holds the six realms, the whole somatic database of suffering and pleasure is within our body, and so in this practice, we're learning how to open up to the 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 pain within us and as we open to the pain within us and as we work with that pain and open through that and find freedom in our experience we're actually available for whoever shows up so it just implies a transformation of being able to be with intense experience and some of the practices can help our nervous system transform into a place where we can really uh, be with any experience that shows up. So, in some sense, the just the the next stage is a way of fulfilling that bodhisattva vow. Could you clarify then? The next stage was you said the X Men stage. I didn't really understand. Uh, is the, um, is that. <laughs> in this tradition, it's called the Vajrayana stage. Yeah, it's it's the stage at which we're learning how to open the energies of our system and into to the next level. Work with the deeper energy in our body. My name is Ali. Thank you for your offering. You mentioned uh, the universe, mm-hmm. and I was kind of a, was thinking, you, do you mean universe of mind, or you, you mean universe external, the cosmos, mm-hmm. which we know a lot, mm-hmm. especially after mm-hmm. Pluto. Mm-hmm. You know, it just goes on and on, and on mm-hmm. beyond Pluto, actually, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is the Big Bang. That's right. So, therefore, which universe do you mean? I mean the big universe. The external or internal? The external. Um, there's a sense, actually... So, the teaching of Tantra says that our body, in, our, in the form that it's in right now, is coextensive with space. But because of our limited... Uh, yes. But we don't have that experience at this point in time. But when we can, these yogic practices actually can open our experience. And we can witness 
as Reggie says, you can witness the birthing of a, of a black hole or a supernova through your body. So it's inspirational, right? <laughs> Any last question? Thank you so much because it's just enlightening hearing what you're saying. Um, And I think especially in the Western culture, we're the opposite of everything that you're saying. And I think it's really important to get back to the body um, and the strength of the earth and the strength of our body. So it was just really beautiful to hear all this. Thank you very much. And um, what is the name of the book that you mentioned in the beginning? It was Yeah. So I actually want to offer just a couple resources before we break. Okay. Yeah. So there's this book, Touching Enlightenment. And then there are two CD series that I highly recommend. There's actually another book here. It's called Awakening the Sacred Body by a man named Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche. And there's a DVD in the back, and it will teach you these practices um, to unblock your body. Basically, what the somatic tradition does, we're unblocking our body, and we become more and more sensitive to energy. Then there is a um, two-CD series, and if you, if you don't get it, you can ask me later. Um, one is called Your Breathing Body by my teacher, Reggie. And the other is called Maha Mudra for the Modern World. And that is a very powerful, it, he did six years of retreat, and he basically recorded the practices of his six years in retreat on CD. So we're almost done. I just want to like close with a little, uh, a little metta, a little loving kindness meditation. So just take a moment, get comfortable. And you can tune into the space in your heart. And as you breathe in your heart, Just feel kind of an inner smile here, a sense of warmth. And there's a sense of offering the goodness within you, opening to the world, this room, the people here. And we can share a good feeling And the neighborhood, opening to the neighborhood, Berkeley High School. And then just in our own way, in our own time, just let's open up to the world. Anyone in your life that needs some love, any place that needs some love. Just offering the goodness of coming together tonight to all the, of our brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, all the beings of the planet. So by the merit of our practice, we offer the goodness that arises for the benefit and happiness in complete enlightenment of all beings everywhere. And I'll just ring the bell. So thank you all for your patient attention. Thank you.